2: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
1: The volume.
3: This
0: is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
4: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre Straight Fire. For Wednesday, October 4th, got a great guest today. Pro Football Focus is Brad Spielberger. This guy's fascinating. He was a lawyer, went to law school, and he loves football. So he, you know, went the angle of, hey, I could be in-house counsel for teams. I could work in the front office on contracts. I could maybe be the salary cap guy. And that's how he got interviews with teams. Really cool guy. Uh, I love the stuff that he talks about. And, and for the record... We spoke last week, and we were recording the podcast. It didn't work out tape-wise for whatever reason. You know, our system just didn't record it, so obviously it felt awful. Brad's a great guest. He came back sort of extra thankful to the great Brad Spielberger. Um, and I, I don't want Jets fans to go over the edge. I don't want Atlanta Falcons fans to go over the edge. But the way he's looked at the Kirk Cousins contract, it would not be difficult at all for either team to trade for Kirk Cousins here in the next few weeks before the trade deadline. Not at all, according to Brad. You're going to love the interview. Before we get to Brad, just real quick, um, I was going to try to talk about Nakaksa's massive game tonight uh, against Cruz Azul. I know you guys care deeply about the soccer team we bought in the Mexican uh, Liga MX. It's a huge game for us. Um, We're unbeaten in our last four, and this should be a winnable game. I... I'm very optimistic. I will be watching. I, you know, I, my daughter's soccer team has practice, and I'm coaching. Um, and we just, we got a lot going on soccer-wise in the fall. So uh, Cruz as will—game kicks off at 6 o'clock. Um, you probably need to download the VIX app. Uh, you're not going to do that, so I'll just stop there. At any rate, um, I need to talk about the idea of a burner Twitter account and an NFL coach. Um, uh, this is not confirmed as of yet, obviously but there is a lot of speculation and the internet investigators, a lot of guys with tons of time on their hands, the same guys who spend hours making memes that do two, three, four million views. They have dug into this. And (laughs) I mean, listen, I have to say, I I went through the evidence. You know, you don't want to just throw this topic up there and and talk about it. And it's like, I started to look and uh, I don't know. It feels like it might be Matt Canada. Matt Canada may have a burner account defending him and his offensive play calling with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is a little crazy. Now, again, there's nothing confirmed. There's no Matt Canada has owned up to it. Obviously we've seen people do this before. Kevin Durant famously got busted. Listen, it's when you're living multiple lives or alleging to online, eventually you're going to get caught up and busted. Um, So what happened was somebody discovered that, you know, I guess people, you know, anytime Matt Canada's screwing around um, and calling dumb plays, people light him up on social media. Gosh, the Steelers need to get rid of their offensive coordinator, blah, blah, blah. He's so predictable. When he lines up in shotgun, it's a a pass. Uh, Every time he's under center, uh, Kenny Pickett's running the football. It's just, it's very predictable. So people light him up on social media. And the same account, uh, called Danny Football. Anytime you search Matt Canada, this guy would defend Matt Canada and and say like it's not the offensive play calling. Look, we rolled through the Raiders and um you know Pickens had a monster game against the Browns and um it's it's not and and Matt can or whoever this is behind the Twitter account is sort of alleging that hey you know who's kind of to blame here Mike Tomlin. Mike, you know, and it's not like pointing the finger at Tomlin, but it's essentially saying Mike Tomlin's like a conservative coach. This isn't all on Matt Canada. Now, I I don't know Matt Canada, but here's where he may or may not have made a critical mistake. So when you set up a burner account or any Twitter account, you need an email address. And of course, someone was like, let me just see where the email address fires back to. Now they don't post the entire email address, but if you pretended like this was your account and you forgot your login and anybody can do that, you can then get uh, a thing where it says, where should we send the confirmation code? And it says, send an email to, and then it's like two letters and then a bunch of stars. So you don't know exactly what the email address is at blank.com. Right? Well, for this alleged account, this Danny football account, the first two letters are M A, okay? <laughs> M A star, 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 at f- not Yahoo, not Gmail, S dot com. And of course, people counted the stars and said, wow, it exactly spells Matthew at Steelers.com, which is Bad Canada's name. Now, it's unclear. Maybe this is just happenstance. That is definitely a little bit strange. Um, and it doesn't look great for Matt Canada. Now, I don't think this is a fireable offense defending yourself. Obviously, if the media gets a chance to talk to Canada, and I don't know that they will, he's going to have to be defensive. Now, I don't know. Like, What's the move here if that is you with the burner account? And I confess, I've never had a burner account uh, you know, guys, I just don't care that much. Now, here's the one knock that, like, this probably isn't Matt Canada. Would a 51-year-old guy create a burner account? I mean, honestly, 50, he's over 50 years old. Do you think a lot of 50-year-old guys who are football coaches, I mean, this guy's one of these lifelong football guys, like high school football star, Uh, goes to Indiana, Um, he's, uh, uh you know, um, a graduate assistant with the Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, he's been in football for, like, Almost 30 years now. Do we really think a guy like that is going to be creating a burner account to defend himself? And I, I, I confess, I have no clue what Matt Canada is like um, as a person. He had one shot as a head coach at Maryland in 2018. And um, it was only because uh, DJ Durkin was uh, fired after um, a, a football player died uh, in the program and um, And so he had, like, you know, basically a season to coach uh, before he uh, was relieved of his duties when the new coach came on, and then he landed with the Steelers, um, I guess, a couple years later. I don't know Matt Canada. I I, also—I just don't know that it's worth going on there and trying to defend yourself. You're not going to win. You don't win arguments with eggs online. You don't win arguments with anonymous losers because all these guys want to do is rope you in and rope you in and rope you in and goad you. and go. That's all. They got nothing going on in their lives. They don't have kids. They probably don't have wives or girlfriends. I don't even know if they have jobs. They might live with their parents. I'm just saying a lot of these internet troll guys have totally nothing going on. They literally can do all the homework and research every single tweet you've made. I, I, they got the time, you know? We, normal people, don't have time for this stuff. Honestly, I didn't even have time to go through all the tweets. I just saw a couple people that I respect um, chime in on, it and I was like, wait, 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 this guy's commenting on it? It's, there must be something here. So then I looked at it, and that email thing looks kind of sus. So, I don't know, weird vibes around Pittsburgh. You know what this sets up as, right? Steelers are big underdogs against the Baltimore Ravens this week. Does it? It's unclear if Pickett or... Mitchell Trubisky, Maserati Mitch, is going to get the start. I was on Pittsburgh last week like an idiot against Houston. I'm still kicking myself for that. And usually when I lose a game that badly, 30-6, to never close, never competitive after middle second quarter, there's no way I can go back. But that's where you should. Remember the Warren Buffett quote, when everybody's fearful, that's when you should be diving in. And when everybody's diving in, that's when you should maybe pull back. That applies to gambling, uh, stock market, all that stuff. And I, I, I had to do it, guys. I went and bet the Steelers getting five against the Ravens. Now, the Ravens are coming off a great win. This is a classic Mike Tomlin underdog spot. You know he thrives as a dog. Going on the road It's a favorite. We talked about it. It's not a great spot for him. And this would be the perfect place for Matt Canada to dial up some of his best stuff against, let's be real, a Ravens defense that ain't that great. They're banged up everywhere. And maybe the Steelers have some success and pull out the win or the cover or whatever, and Canada looks good. Remember, everybody was ready to dump Zach Wilson in the garbage after that Chiefs game, right? Or before the Chiefs game. But, hey, the Jets are going to get so destroyed, we're just going to toss Zach Wilson in the garbage. He'll never start another game in the league. Like that was the vibe going into that game. And of course, Zach Wilson like showed well. Justin Fields. Oh, well, he's washed as a starter. No chance he plays the game of his life. Anytime you're ready to totally discredit someone or something, and you're all signs point to the world piling on them, maybe it's time to rethink it. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers showed up. I you know, I put a little bit a little more than pizza money on it, but um I, I can I can tell you this, I'm probably gonna be too chicken to take them in the contest. But i think this Matt Canada situation bears watching. The Pittsburgh media, I don't know it well, but I do know that they've had some they 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 don't shy away from contact, let's just say. So I I do think they'll be going after Canada, even though there isn't confirmation. Now when KD was popped with his burner, he just owned it. He's like, I don't give a I don't care. You guys can call me out. I don't I'm Kevin Durant. What do I care? And frankly, he's right. You know, now Matt Canada is a different story. Uh, He's been a a subpar at best, below average offensive coordinator. Warren Sharp did a huge breakdown on a bad he's been. Like, I mean, there's a chance Canada's like a running backs coach after this, if that. So, um, I don't know. It it bears monitoring. But without further ado, let's get to our guest, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue.
4: Football is back. No more preseason games. The regular season is here. While we all love watching our favorite teams on television, there is nothing better than being at a game live and in person. And the best way to get tickets to any of these games is on GameTime, the fastest-growing ticketing app in the U.S. For last-minute amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite football teams this September, download Game Time, And it's not just football. GameTime has tickets to baseball games, concerts and comedy shows across the country download the game time app and redeem code jmac for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again download the game time app and enter code jmac that's j-m-a-c for twenty dollars off no matter where you live get out and have some fun this week download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed
0: you know a guy Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
4: I know what sports fans want.
0: But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say
1: I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
4: It's me, Jason McIntyre, joined by Pro Football Focus. I don't know, he's an expert on multiple things, Brad Spielberger. Brad, you and I obviously love, love the NFL. You cover it in depth. We, t- we have takes here on the podcast, and I am super stoked for the matchup of Week 5. 49ers-Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Uh, people are going to talk about this matchup all week. They've faced each other in the playoffs the last two years. The Niners have come out on top in both of them. Covered the spread in both. I'm curious your thoughts on the best matchup of the young season.
3: Yeah, this might be a take right out of the gate. I, I like Dallas a lot coming into this season. I talked about them as potentially winning the entire NFC conference I think the Niners are going to bully them uh, in this game, uh, particularly in the run game. I mean, you saw the issues for Dallas that extended to last season. They used their first-round pick on Mozzie Smith out of Michigan for a reason. He's effectively been a non-factor thus far. Um, And the Arizona Cardinals ran the ball down their throat for over 200 yards in that game. And I think, I mean, look, you have Christian McCaffrey coming into town, has scored touchdowns in, what, 14 straight games, had four in in this game the other night. I think San Francisco is going to, once again, kind of bully them around a little bit, be more physical, get the ball to playmakers with a head of steam and in space. Um, I I like Dallas, but I I think the Niners are a better football team.
4: Yeah, the spread's like three and a half. It might be four. I I don't know. The coaching mismatch of Shanahan versus the Dan quinn mccarthy compo feels like just an absolute rout. I am curious, though. Brock Purdy and the Niners, I think they've scored 30 straight points in like eight regular season games. Um, This offense is a machine. We heard a lot of hype about the Dallas defense. They shut down the Patriots, you know, whoop-de-damn-do. Um, they shut down the Jets, again, Zach Wilson. They shut down the Giants, nobody cares. Um, I don't know. I, I, I believe their opponent's combined record that they faced is 4-12 and
3: 12 so far this season. You know, do we really know if Dallas is any good? Well, I think we know, again, I mean, the teams they played are bad, but the defense is for, is for sure good. I mean, that, that pass rush unit is so deep and talented. Even guys like Oso Digizu up the middle who doesn't get talked about enough. DeMarcus Marcus Lawrence is having a career resurgence on the edge, and they have all these ancillary pieces. Your Dante Fowlers, your Sam Williams, et etc. et cetera. So, and then lastly, probably most importantly to them, uh, when Trevon Diggs goes down, Trevon, De'Ron Bland is a very, very good football <sighs> player. And as a guy that needs more recognition, has two interceptions since he stepped into the starting lineup. Uh, One of them was a pick six this past week on on Mac Jones. Uh, One of the latest throws over the middle for a guy with no arm strength you you ever want to see. So, yeah, the defense is good. The offense, we still don't really know. Mm. I mean, Dak played well in this game against New England. That is a good defensive unit. But they've just been in such advantageous situations. And against Arizona, they, they did not look very good playing from behind. The red
4: zone stuff has been a bugaboo. Uh, it, it when t- when it mattered against uh, New England in the first three quarters, they could do nothing in the red zone still. I-, I wonder. I go back to that San Francisco playoff loss, and I you can watch the condensed version on YouTube. Dak had a brutal red zone pick um, in that game. And, you know, you see them struggle 0 for 3 in the red zone to start against the Patriots. Could not do it against Arizona, I think, uh, like four trips or five trips inside the 10, and they got six points. Um is this a Kellen Moore problem? I saw someone over at ESPN trying to make this a Zeke Elliott problem, which sounded asinine. I'm just curious where you land on, on Dallas's red zone woes.
3: Yeah, you know, I think it's also just having a guy who wins down there. Like, I like Michael Gallup as a player. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb is a superstar, but he's your kind of a right now, but in between the 20, 20s guy, mm. gets yards after the catch, makes players miss in space. I think the guy that he's going to start throwing to a ton in the red zone is actually tight end Jake Ferguson, the fourth rounder from last year. He's been targeting him a ton. He's a guy that I think you're going to start to see down in the red area. Dak looks his way early in a lot of progressions. They go to him during scripted plays, which is the first 15 snaps of a game. They want to get him involved. Unfortunately, the Niners are the best defense against tight ends the last two or three seasons. I mean, Fred Warner and those safeties are just remarkable. So maybe not the best matchup, but, but that's the name for me. I don't know if it's a fantasy football or a betting angle or what, but I Mm. think he likes that connection with Ferguson a lot.
4: If I have one concern about the Niners, uh, the right tackle issue replacing McGlinchey, I just remember TJ Watt dominating the turnstile that was uh, dressed up as a right tackle in the opener. And if Micah Parsons moves around, and we see him move around a lot, you got to assume he'll be on that right side, right? Uh, Purdy's uh, blind side.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's Colton McKibbitts over there at right tackle. I mean their right guard, Spencer Burford, is is one of our lowest graded players in the entire NFL. And I think this also, though Probably goes to a conversation we need to have more of. I know you and I talked about, you know, how much credit do we give Shanahan? How much credit do we give Brock Purdy? Something these coaches are also doing now, they're not just protecting inexperienced or maybe quarterbacks with deficiencies. They also protect their offensive lines. I mean, the Niners have one good offensive lineman in Trent Williams and question marks pretty much at every other spot on the unit. But you get the ball out so quickly. Obviously, you have George Kittle in block and help chip and all those things using Kyle check to chip and also a lot of misdirection pre-snap motion where you get those defensive linemen flowing the opposite direction of the play uh, or you go weak side or you, know, you have, you know, jet motion and these counters and all these various things. He's protecting this offensive line unit as much as he's protecting the quarterback. Um, and like I said, you can run on this team. Even Micah Parsons, who's awesome. DeMarcus Lawrence, awesome. You can run right at them sometimes um, and pick up some yards.
4: Interesting. So we're both on the Niners there. I want to go to a team that uh, got destroyed by Dallas and, and and now in Boston, the sky is falling and that's Bill Belichick's Patriots, one and three. Uh, they host the Saints this weekend. The line is coming down. I see it at one. Brad, uh, it looks like Matthew Judon might be down for the season. He might be able to come back late in the season. Uh, and Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback who did well against Garrett Wilson, Tyreek Hill. He looks like he's going to be out for an undetermined amount of time. You lose arguably your two best defenders. We know the offense basically has nothing. We can't blame Matt Patricia anymore. Uh, Is there any way to save the season for the Patriots? You look up and down the schedule, man. This looks like maybe, Brad, a five or six win team at best.
3: I think you're right, which is crazy to say. And the defense did play well the first three weeks. You obviously had, you know, one score loss against the Eagles. You held the Miami Dolphins to 24 points, which is, you know, a win. No question about it. it. You know, Dallas did steamroll you, but... I mean, look, Mac Jones, The big, we're going to hear the questions of, you know, is Bill Belichick done in New England? I'm not really there yet. They're looking for a quarterback in 2024. I'll tell you that right now. Like, they are, they're probably going to be picking very, very high. And if they don't replace Mac Jones, I'm not sure what they're seeing that I'm not seeing. I'm going to mention, I mean, he's throwing four and a half, five seconds after the snap across the field. I mean, like, the, the easiest pick six ball you've ever seen in your entire life. He did it twice in that game. Yeah, Like you said, we can't blame Matt Patricia much more. And then, yeah, I think Christian Gonzalez was a difference maker already as a rookie, was a top-ten graded corner for us so far this season. Matthew Judon's been a consistent presence as a pass rusher. Yes, they have, like Joss Uchi and some other players, but Uchi's a 350-snap player. He's not an every-down guy. Keon White, the rookie, is a fun guy, but not a dominant force. Like, if they're bad on defense now as well, or maybe average, yeah, this team is not winning a lot of football games
4: it's weird when I watch Mac Jones, I think he is the antithesis of the modern quarterback. You, you The modern quarterback needs to be able to scramble, uh, make, make plays with his legs. You got Mahomes, Herbert, Josh Allen. And it's beyond that. Like even Jalen Hurts uh, is, is, has great ability with his legs as you saw in the Super Bowl. Like Mac Jones is it feels like a pocket guy. And I just wonder, and I'm not bashing Belichick. The guy's won so much. He's the greatest coach ever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, man. He, 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 like can Belichick, find a modern quarterback to fit what's happening in the current NFL? Because I, I don't know, like Brady was his guy. He gave Cam Newton a shot that just didn't work. And, and then this Mac Jones experiment appears failed. Like, I, I just don't know if a 70-year-old guy can, um, you know, change his stripes here with the way NFL offenses are moving.
3: I do think, the a couple names you mentioned there where he has been open in the past to players with different play sets. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, not a runner like Cam Newton is, but, you know, a guy that can throw off platform and, 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 you know, a lot of play action boots and rollouts and things like that, you know, at least trying the Cam Newton experience. I think at that point his body was kind of just broken down, but, you know, it does show that you recognize where the league is going and that you can't just have a statue standing in the pocket and win games in today's NFL, especially with every secondary now sitting back in too high shell coverage, daring you. Throw the ball deep because they're gonna, you know, pick you off if you do. It's a very hard way to win. So they got to change it. They got to figure it out. And, and I'm with you. You can't go back to that. Well, this whole pre-Jeff conversation with Mac Jones of, you know, is he going to go top three? Or whatever he was good his rookie year. We all knew he would adjust quickly, but he just has no upside, and and, and that's playing out in real time. Uh, I am curious if you uh,
4: took too much time watching Chiefs and Jets, uh, w- despite the Taylor Swift subplot. I don't know something looked. I don't know if it's off or disinterested or lack of focus, but Patrick Mahomes, very uncharacteristic, letting the Jets back in that game. He did not look great in week two against the Jags. I know he was just getting Kelsey back. Let's throw out the Bears game because they don't defend anyone. Um, I don't know. Something seem off about the Chiefs or is this just an overreaction? He's getting adjusted to new receivers who can't seem to separate.
3: I thought it was, and I know people are probably annoyed by this, like Patrick Mahomes can't play a good game, but I was almost sitting there wondering if he hurt his elbow or his shoulder or if the ankle Ooh. from the Bears game was bothering him. There were three or four throws in that game where he left the ball for the first interception where he just left it about five, ten yards short, trying to layer it over a defender, just threw it right to a defender in the flat. He had a deep ball later on in the game. I want to say to Marquez Valdez Scantling that just fell 10 yards short. Like no one picked it off, but it just it didn't reach the target. And he stepped into the throw. He took two hitches. Before uncorking it, like it was, it was a one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Look, you throw on the tape, the receivers are not getting separation in any way, shape, or form. There is no question about that. But, but the late shot stuff, the the making magic happen, the weird arm angles, all of that hasn't really been there either. And look, is it the most sustainable way to win? No, but but he's been doing it sustainably for for years now. But no, there's there something wrong. I think with that offense, they're going to figure it out. Uh, but it does not look good. So they're going to Minnesota this week. I
4: see the number at it looks like five. He, here's my only issue with this: uh, all Brian Flores does is blitz, right? That's his DNA. He blitzes at. I think they're blitzing at a 58% clip this year, highest in the league by a mile. Like you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Like he just shreds the blitz. Like it's, it's like Burrow. You can't blitz him. A well, Burrow you can, I guess, blitz now with the calf issue. But um, I, I don't know. What do you foresee in that game? Like I'm thinking. I know you can't lay a big number with the Chiefs on the road. Historically, they they don't cover. But. This, this Minnesota defense is just, I mean, they're bad. I know I know they looked okay against Carolina, but they can't stop any real offense.
3: No, this is a get right spot no question you mentioned it Patrick Mahomes against the Blitz I mean top five for us in, in everything I and mean, big time throws quarterback grade yards per attempt like you cannot Blitz Patrick Mahomes he's going to find someone open someone's going to win a one-on-one matchup he also just gets the ball out quickly or again he takes off and scrambles and, and waddles for 15 yards uh, and gets to the boundary so you yeah, know it, it's the perfect get right spot for them I mean, the secondary in Minnesota the, the receivers in Kansas City they can get separation on these guys Um, uh, if not they can't get separation on anyone and and yes, Carolina, look, I think they have the worst receiving core in the entire NFL, um, and their offensive line is now second in pressure rate allowed for us. Bryce Young is not really seeing things particularly well. Um, no, this Minnesota defense is, is bad, bad. I, I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game.
4: Uh, all right, so let's go, drill down on Minnesota for a sec. I know you have a law background. Obviously, you interviewed with NFL teams in the past. So this Kirk Cousins situation uh, before Sunday when they came back to beat um, the Panthers, and Cousins did not look great. There was a lot of chatter about Kirk Cousins to the Jets. Then the Falcons, of course, look abysmal in London. And it's like, well, listen, Desmond Ritter can't do anything. Now they could use Kirk Cousins. I'm just curious where you stand on this whole, like, would somebody trade for Kirk Cousins? He's in the final year of his deal. He's, uh, I think he's only a $10 million salary, but I guess some of that's gone now, four weeks into the season. Uh, talk us through how that would work for the Jets, who, listen, Zach Wilson looked okay. Um, uh, for Jets or Falcons for Kirk Cousins.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's only owed about six million now. I think I want to say for the rest of the year. I think other teams probably are calling Mensa in Minnesota, and just saying, "Hey, if things go south, like don't forget about us. We're, we're interested." Look, it's a true mercenary signing. You can't franchise tag him, so you basically are bringing him in for ten games, and then have to see how things go. Do you extend him? Do you just try to get a compensatory pick if someone else signs him? I mean, he's thirty seven years old. I think in free agency this year, so you know, a particularly old player, but. I just still struggle with seeing Minnesota pulling the trigger. I think they probably have faith they can sneak in as a wild card team in the NFC. Um, you know, get back, get, get things going right. They lose by one score to the Chargers in a good game. Lose by one score to the Eagles. If Justin Jefferson doesn't have that fumble, they maybe even win that game. I think they have faith. They write the ship. They figure it out. But I'm, I'm confident other teams are, are thinking the same way as you and are trying to convince them otherwise.
0: Yeah,
4: I mean, if you're Minnesota and you want to get a shot at. You know, Caleb Williams at the top of the draft. Well, you're not going to do that with Kirk Cousins. Now, but you're right. Maybe they sneak in as a wild card, but I don't know, Brad. You you know, where's the value in that? You're not coming out of the NFC, right? We would agree. The defense has zero chance in the playoffs. Uh, Maybe they somehow steal a playoff win in the wild card round. But they're, they're no matchup on the road for the likes of Dallas, San Francisco,
3: Philly. I don't even think they're as good as Detroit right now. Do you? Their defense uh, is probably why Daniel Jones is making forty million dollars a year right now. So <laughs> it is not a good unit, <laughs> uh, and, you know. And they, I think they've gotten worse. They they trade Zedaria Smith with seventy pressures from last year. No, I totally agree. Look, this is a classic conversation of. Uh, the, the fastest path to the Vikings being an actual contender is losing every single game this year, drafting Caleb Williams, Drake May, pairing them with Justin Jefferson, and going from there. And I know, you know, the quote unquote analytics GM in, in Minnesota probably is at least thought about the idea. The ownership side of making money, keeping fans happy, going 500, playing a playoff game, I think that side unfortunately tends to win out the, the discussions more often than not.
4: The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. For instance, this weekend, my Jets and the Denver Broncos. Folks, somehow the Jets find themselves on the look ahead as underdogs in Denver. Okay, Zach Wilson looks competent. I think the Jets got a shot here. Just consider it, okay? Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Fire. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code Fire. only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 and up, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. Brad, I don't know if you, you're aware, like I, uh, I, my, uh, I got involved with a, a group that bought a soccer team in the top league in Mexico. And, you know, we're in on ch- changing coaches and playing young players and sh- we're trying to uh, employ some analytics, which is not huge in soccer in Mexico. And it's been really tough to get the old guard to understand. You got to play the young guys, pump up their value. They get to be good. And then eventually maybe you sell them for a profit. But it's tough to sell, play young guys, because you know your job's on the line if you play young guys and lose. So I look at the Bears right now, and I look at a team like the Vikings, and if you're in the war room with the GM in Chicago polls, um, you know, how do you gently tell him, listen, man, We're going to get the number one pick if we play this right. And I know that you're worried about your job and the head coach is worried and everybody's worried, but, like, there is a path to us having long-term success by being bad. How do you convince a GM, hey, man, let's try to tank without being obvious and tanking? Like, could you, hey, Atlanta, you need a quarterback. You're not getting Kirk Cousins. Do you want Justin Fields? He played at Georgia. Like, is that even a thought process for someone like Chicago?
3: I think it probably could be. I mean, yeah, play to Georgia also in that run game with Arthur Smith. I mean, they might have 5,000 rushing yards. I don't know how many passing yards they would have, but uh, they'd be a whole lot of fun to watch on the ground. So... I do. I think, frankly, to a degree, when Ryan Poles took over, he knew this was a full teardown and start over. I mean, you trade away Khalil Mack the first week you're there, you trade Roquan Smith, you trade Robert Quinn, you move on from a lot of pricier veterans on this roster, you know, let Allen Robinson walk, all these things. Most of the decisions, I think, have looked pretty good. I know Khalil Mack had six sacks this past weekend, but he has not really been a difference maker in a lot of games for the Chargers so far in his tenure. So, I thought Poles always had his eyes on 2024. I'm not super convinced he actually Ever thought Justin Fields was the guy. Look, he did trade down in this draft class. He could have taken Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson, but this upcoming class, you might have two top five picks your own and Carolina's. They have over a hundred million dollars in cap space. You had DJ Moore now to help out a young quarterback. You have a top 10 pick tackle already in Darnell, Wright. I, if, I think the way you convince him is you tell him I need to see growth and good play from these young players. We might lose a lot of games, but if I see, you know, all these guys, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, and and the defensive lineman this year, Javon Dexter, and John L. Wright, like if they play well, you'll get more runway. And the issue is like a lot of those guys aren't playing very good football yeah. either.
4: I saw the pro football focus numbers for the Bears defensive line. Oh my gosh, Brad, it's brutal. <laughs> um, now Wright looks like a solid right tackle. Do you think he could be a left? Because if he is not... Because, then the question becomes like, what do you let's say Carolina wins three games and you get the first and second pick? It's not out of the realm. right now they're they're one and two. Um, you could obviously trade that pick for a slide down, let somebody wants Drake May. Um, you could take a left tackle to uh, the kid from Notre Dame, there's a kid at Penn State. like there's there, you know there's there's good tackles. Or do you go for a Marvin Harrison and say like yeah, listen, DJ Moore's nice, but Marvin Harrison could be our Jamar Chase justin Jefferson. it's a tough discussion and it's very early. The calendar's October, but, but Brad, we got to talk. Like, what are you thinking
3: if you're the Bears right now? Yeah, it is super early, but yeah, it's, it's it's firmly on their itinerary you know, as of, as of today. Um, look, I think you do have two really, really good prospects in Olu Fashano at Penn State and Joe Alt in Notre Dame, guys that I think are plug-and-play starters at left tackle. Um, you know, It's a hard adjustment to the NFL, but I think they start right out of the gate, uh, and then you might have both bookends solved. You probably could convince yourself, though, Braxton Jones, who's now hurt for the Bears, it's unfortunate, has a neck injury, going to be out for a while, but Poles took him in the fifth round last year. He's graded out pretty well for us at left tackle. Is he on the caliber of those players, no. But if you believe in him getting better both healthily and and playing better football, adding a Marvin Harrison or even a Romeo Dunze at Washington or some of the Mm. other players, Keon Coleman at Florida State, and having those two guys and DJ Moore uh, and and, and improving this offensive line a bit more organically, that's a perfect scenario for a young quarterback to step into. I'd probably lean the the playmaker um, over the offensive lineman, but, but I think you could argue it either way.
4: I am curious, where are you on the inability of Chicago to ever find a quarterback? And I, I don't want to hear this like, it's windy, it's cold. Like, Green Bay had had Favre and Rodgers uh, and, and, like, you know, 25 years of greatness at quarterback in a cold-weather city. Why hasn't Chicago ever been able to develop a quarterback? Who, who's the best quarterback they've
3: had? Rex Grossman? Jim McMahon? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, Jake Cutler. I mean, you're asking a Bears Jay fan who's got a Bears... Uh, newspaper right here this is the Chicago Tribune from 1985 in my background. So um, I could talk about this topic for the next hour and a half if you wanted to. But uh, no, I mean, I think that the main thing it comes da- is down to is they've never had an organizational stability from the top down to bring a quarterback into a good situation, both with Trubisky and with Fields. You're firing coaches, you're firing GMs early on in their tenure, you're changing play callers. You're just There's never actually been a system in place to build around the young quarterback. Like you're looking right now. In Houston, they bring in Bobby Slowick. That offense has been remarkable. They're second in yards after uh, after the catch behind the Miami Dolphins right now. They've been missing a ton of offensive linemen. You look at Indianapolis. Shane Steichen comes from Philadelphia. We've seen a lot of good already from Anthony Richardson. They've either hired you know retread coaches like John Fox. They've hired you know all due respect to Matt Eberflus, a 52 year old defensive coordinator. That's the guy who's going to unlock Justin Fields. Like I don't mean that disrespectful. I mean the defense is also dead last in every category. But yeah. but it, it's not just the. Cor- Quarterback. You need a general manager, a president, a head coach that their number one goal is maximizing the situation around the quarterback. That That's never happened.
4: Yeah, just got to be disappointing. All right, two quick games. I see the Miami Dolphins are 11 and a half point favorites against the Giants. This is one of those weird games where it's like, oh, nobody's betting the Giants because they just got, you know, de pants on national television. And Daniel Jones is a dumpster fire. But like Miami's coming off a loss, you know. I don't see the Giants with, I think, two rookies on the outside. You know, Banks was cooked a few times they threw at him. I don't see how the Giants stop him. But 11 and a half is a huge number to cover.
3: It's massive, and I, and I do kind of want to be contrarian with you, but I thought this was a get-right spot for the Giants against Seattle. I thought they had a chance to at least score points. I mean, the, the Seattle Seahawks had five sacks through the first three weeks coming into this game. They had 11 last night. I mean, they made them look like the, you know, 1985 Bears. It's not a good defense. They were, they were fourth worst in EPA per play allowed. They were fourth worst in success rate allowed. So, you know, efficiency-wise and staying ahead of the chains-wise, this was a very bad defense. I mean, Andy Dalton scored 27 points on Seattle Last week, with I, I think a worse offensive line and probably worse pass catchers than Daniel Jones has. So I'm very, very concerned about them. Um, like you said, you probably get Andrew Thomas back at left tackle, who's by far the best player on this unit. But I mean, Miami might score. That's the last piece. Kayvon Thibodeau also had a good game last night, two sacks, almost had the interception. Yeah. But they've been so low in pressure rate. They blitz at the highest rate in the NFL, or second highest behind Minnesota. And Tua also gets the ball out in 2.2 seconds, fastest in the NFL. They're just going to carve up the blitz if that's what Wink Martindale wants to do. Yeah,
4: matchup-wise, Wink Martindale—and he only knows how to blitz. He doesn't do anything else. Uh, you do that against Tua, and Tyreek Hill and Waller are just going to roast you. I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, final game, i got to ask you about this. My Jets in a Nathaniel Hackett revenge spot, if that's such a thing, uh, faces off in Denver against the Broncos. Sean Payton obviously had the comments in the offseason. Denver's defense looks it's just hemorrhaging yards to everyone, including the Bears. I mean, they made Justin Fields look like an MVP candidate. Um, I don't know. I already bet the Jets in this one. I, it's not an overreaction to what I saw against the Chiefs. I, it is just a fade of Denver's defense. I don't know. Where are you on this game?
3: Yeah, this, this is the worst defense in the NFL. I mean, Justin Fields was 16 of 17 for 235 yards and three touchdowns in the first half of this game. He had three passing touchdowns uh, total on the season, and he hadn't had a game with 230 passing yards for the full game uh, before he put up that in the first half alone. So uh, their bottom five percent pressure rate. So that's going to be a huge, you know, asset as well. Like they're going to have time behind this offensive line. I do think Makai Beckton and Avt and even Joe Titman like have played better football. And look, I will overrate. I thought that was the best Zach Wilson has ever played. I don't know mm-hmm. what they decided to let him do. That is a good Kansas City Chiefs defense. It is a good unit. They have talent across the board at all three levels. They have very good corners. And Wilson was throwing back shoulder balls away from coverage. He was trusting his eyes. He was getting the ball out quickly. I actually already bet at the over 41, I think it's 43 and a half now. So a little okay. bit of closing line value there. But I cannot believe I bet a Jets Broncos over in the moment. But uh, I, I, it's, yes. it's looking good so far.
4: Last year, very low scoring. I don't think anybody cracked 20. That was a game where Brees Hall broke off the run and then um, got injured. Sucked. Um, let me ask about Zach Wilson. So we know he cannot read a zone at all. The Patriots threw a zone at him. He was befuddled. Um, Dan Quinn mixed coverages, and he really struggled. The one time he got manned, Garrett Wilson breaks off like a 65-yard touchdown. Spagnolo blitzed and left his corners on islands a lot. I am curious. Like, Are people overreacting to Zach Wilson playing well, or did he just play well because of the defense he faced, which was man-to-man?
3: It does help, right? I mean, I think, you know, he's again, he's a guy that I think struggles with, you know, if it's too high shell and guys are sitting back and off coverage, afraid to pull the trigger, or if he thinks the guy's going to win a one-on-one or or he can throw it to a spot where only that guy's going to be – look, Vance Joseph in Denver is going to sit back in a ton of zone. I mean, they have our lowest graded corner and our fifth lowest graded corner in the entire NFL, um, opposite of Patrick Sertan. He's trying to protect those guys as much as he possibly can. Safety Justin Simmons, who's an awesome ball hawk, has been hurt this year as well. Um, But yeah, that that is a good point, because we saw that also from Justin Fields last year, actually much better attacking man through the air. Um, Also would take off on scrambles, because man cover corners are playing a trail technique and aren't facing him. So that kind of took that element of his game out as well. Um, yeah, it would be good to see Wilson do it again against the zone coverage defense, but I think the big thing is just he's going to have time in the pocket, and he seemed like he trusted that more uh, in this past game than any game he had before.
4: Interesting. So does PFF have anything on, like, the number of, like, the percentage of plays that, say, Vance Joseph threw a zone at Justin Fields? Like, how was Fields able to go from, like, uh, this guy's washed, he's done, he's cooked, to 16 of 17 and a half for uh, 200 yards,
3: and, and he looked amazing? Yeah, no, the Broncos are top five in, in the – or top ten in, like, cover three, quarters, cover six. Like, they, they really just sit back in soft zone. You know, I think Fields honestly kind of had an effort-type game, uh, you know, that we probably saw <laughs> from Zach Wilson as well. Um, you know, I'll say this too. Like, they they finally – when you bench Chase Claypool, I know people kind of you know, laugh at stuff like this, but you have good perimeter blocking. That's what you add when you bring in Equinemius-St. Brown. They got their run game going early as well. Khalil Herbert had a bunch of big holes in the first half. And then I think Fields just felt comfortable throwing off of that um, – um, D.J. Moore was wide open. They had many more crossing routes over the middle, which was also something that Zach Wilson he's got to be more comfortable doing. Like you can't you can't throw back shoulder balls on every single throw. At a certain point, you got to throw the ball to guy over the middle through traffic. You know, layered over a linebacker in the second level and let a guy catch the ball with room to operate. That was the best thing we saw Fields do. Was there were a ton of yards after the catch. I mean, also. He completed eight passes of 10-plus yards downfield in the first half. He had seven completions on balls thrown 10-plus yards downfield the entire season. He was just letting it rip, um, and it was working.
4: Interesting. Uh, I know Bills fans will be upset. Jason, we're on top of the league. You didn't even talk about him. I don't know. Bills looked amazing dismantling Miami, but, I mean, a lot of people had that. We had that game. Um, I don't know. Are the Bills the best team in the league right now, or, or does it even matter, or do you still lean like a Niners?
3: During the conversation, I probably still would lean a Niners. I mean, look, the Bills' defense has looked very good, and they are getting Von Miller back, but I still have concerns against a better offense against – that secondary. I mean, obviously the Miami Dolphins have been remarkable, but you did still see you know a couple splash plays. Jalen Waddle still not 100 healthy in that game, but Tyreek got open a bunch, um, and, and they were able to push the ball, especially the, you know the first couple drives. I mean, Devon Achan and and, and, and Tyreek Hill were running wide open, so yeah. still some concerns. You lose Tre'Davious White now for the season with a torn ACL. You know their safeties are both in their mid 30s and keep missing games. Mm-hmm. I, I do have question marks against the team that can hold up up front with the <laughs> offensive line. Can they pick apart that second? a little bit we haven't seen it yet but but i think a good team is going to be able to do that against the bills
4: oh i did forget to ask you brad about joe burrow and the Bengals. i don't think i've whiffed on a team this year i mean i missed on pittsburgh i thought they'd be better but burrow for some reason i, I don't know can we, can we are we still blaming the calf because like jamar chase is complaining that i'm always open t higgins is uh, was like a non-factor he's got the broken rib they spent all this money on the offensive line and it still stinks what the hell's wrong with the Bengals? Can we just blame it on Zach Taylor and say, oh, Bengals run him out of town or what?
3: Yeah, I also picked them to win the Super Bowl, so I'm right there with you. So I I do think a lot of this does fall on Zach Taylor. They've run one snap the entire season, not in shotgun. And yes, that is partially because of Joe Burrow's calf, but they run the most 11 personnel, you know, one tight end, one running back in the NFL. It's basically all they do. Um, They don't have a viable tight end in the lineup. So you, you realistically are just throwing these go balls to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, It's a a static offense. It's a lazy offense with just like a lot of nine routes and then not a lot of in breakers, not a ton going on elsewhere. Um, You know, Joe Mixon's going to get his from time to time, but is not going to break off these massive gains anymore. I still do, though, think a big part of it is that calf you saw in the Rams game and less so in Tennessee, but still to a degree. As soon as he got pressure, he would just throw the ball in the dirt like he had no trust in his own leg. And we track something here called true scrambles, which is not just when you run, but also when you scramble and then throw. Throw the ball. Joe Burrow was the most efficient passer in the entire NFL the last two seasons on true scramble throws. You take that element out of his game, his ability to operate outside of structure, and you lose a massive element of this offense.
4: So, what is the solution? Rest him so he gets healthy? Because at that point, you know, could go end up going one and five. They're in Arizona this week. If they lose this game, I mean, at one and four, it feels over. Ravens playing well, they're going to get healthy.
3: Browns should get Watson back. I don't know. What, what do you? How do you solve this? This this is a must win game. No question about it. I, I think both sides in the trenches need to play better football. Like you said, we don't have to just blame the coaching or Burrow. This defense. We've seen this defense bail the Bill uh, the the Bengals out in a lot of games the last couple years. Um, they got no pressure against Ryan Tannehill, who has one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, has been under siege in a lot of these games. In the Cleveland game, he literally couldn't do anything. So we need better, more consistent performances, particularly on the interior. Uh, you know, I think from DJ Reader, who's been a game wrecker at times, their young secondary has been getting picked on a little bit as well. And then, like you said, I mean, the offensive line, the assign Orlando Brown, you have Jonah Williams on the right side, you make all these moves, and they're still just as bad as they've been. They They need to play better.
4: That's a rough one. All right, Brad Spielberger, pro football focus. Great stuff, man, and a continued success. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save. And get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
2: I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We're the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio, season nine. Love, Love at first listen. listen.